0: This is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast. I'm Ed Robertson. My guest today is Chandra Brown. I met Chandra through the podcast more than four years ago, and with each passing year, I've been more and more inspired by her life and work. You may remember that she's the founder of Free Flow Institute, a Montana-based organization that curates immersive outdoor learning experiences in the earth's wildest classrooms, what started with combining summer river trips with writing workshops taught by some of the West's greatest authors has turned into a year round immersive curriculum that incorporates many forms of art and storytelling. If you've listened to a lot of Mountain and Prairie episodes, then you'll definitely recognize many past and present free flow instructors Hal Herring, Bill DeBuise, Chris Latre, Heather Hansman, Anna Bronis, Brendan Leonard, Alexis Bonagovsky, and Elliot Woods. And you'll also recognize many of the free-flow classrooms, which include the Salmon River, the Green River, the Big Blackfoot River, the San Juan Islands, and the canyon country of Southwest Colorado. And that's just a few of them. The overlap between what Chandra has built at free-flow and what we're all doing here at Mountain and Prairie is significant. So I was excited to have Chandra join me again for another conversation. If you want to hear more about Chandra's upbringing in Alaska and her fascinating life trajectory... I'd encourage you to go back and listen to our first episode, but also feel free to dive right into this conversation as we had a wonderful chat about everything from cold water plunges to FreeFlow's growth and evolution to the challenges of running a small business during the pandemic years. We talk about some of the upcoming courses for this calendar year, FreeFlow's scholarship program, the importance of pursuing one's own creative endeavors, and how Chandra has grown as a person over the past four years. I'd also be crazy not to mention that I'm leading a free-flow course late this summer down the Green River in Utah through Gates of Ledore and Dinosaur National Monument. We'll be focused on the power of optimistic storytelling and how storytelling can be used to affect change here in the West and beyond. You can check out the link in the episode notes to learn more, but my course is limited to 12 people and it's already filling up. But even if you're not interested in hanging out with me for a week, I would definitely encourage you to check out all the free flow courses as well as the scholarship opportunities. I wish I could go on all the courses. Thanks again to Chandra for taking the time to chat and thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy. All right, Chandra, I am so psyched to be talking to you. It's crazy to think about everything that's happened since the first time we had our first podcast conversation. Um, and, I've just so enjoyed getting to know you over the last few years and watching everything you've been doing with free flow. And so I want to talk about a lot of different stuff, but I was thinking maybe the first thing we could do is talk about your most recent trip with Anna Bronis, who's been a guest on this podcast as have a ton of different free flow instructors. But I feel like that, uh, course that you just did with Anna is really a part of the evolution of free flow is a little bit different than what we had talked about years ago when you were on. So could you just kind of talk about how that course came to be and what y'all did?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ed. And it is, I feel the same. It's been such a treat to watch mountain and prairie grow and evolve over the years. And I just, I'm so grateful to remain in your orbit and um really happy to be here. And yeah, we did. We just got back from a week, more or less five days with Anna Brones over in Washington and Puget Sound area. And this was our very first winter workshop. Also, the very first time we haven't sought accreditation for the course through a university. And first time working with Anna, and she built a curriculum based around sort of general creative practices, which was really cool. A lot of watercolor and pen and ink and reflective writing. And we incorporated winter into the workshop by focusing on rest and recalibration and cold water. So we were at a, an artist residency with dock access to a little lake, and we'd go down there in the morning and get in the lake and, you know, it's sort of idyllic snow everywhere. And it was an all women's workshop. And so we just encouraged those who were called to do it, to get in the water. And that's a practice that Anna has. And it's a practice that I have cultivated over the last couple of years. And it felt really, really cool to share that with those, with those people.
0: Yeah. You wrote a really awesome piece in Adventure Journal recently about, about that. How did that come into your life? We're kind of already veering off track here, (laughs) but I I do cold, I do a lot of stuff with cold water and I love it, especially since I've had this injured shoulder, it's really been a savior for my brain, I think. And it could be a placebo effect, but it works. So I don't care. But how did, how did the cold water stuff come into your orbit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's similar, a similar sort of Genesis for me too. I um, had some health things that were haunting me, some big, bigger injuries, and i i just i just was looking for a way to engage with the winter landscape and engage with the cold that didn't involve skiing um, because I was sidelined from skiing for, for a while there. And also I was interested in it for the purported mental health benefits. And I was just curious, you know, I was curious, actually, Hillary Oliver, who is married to Brendan Leonard, who's in another one of your frequent flyers. um, She introduced it to me here on the river um, that Kind of flows through our our backyard here in Montana, and um, on the coldest day of the year in December a while back, and then the, kind of stuck with me. And it's uh, you know same as you like. There's a lot of hype around it, and you know it could be placebo. There's not a lot of science to support these benefits that all the the Instagram influencers talk about. But it's good <laughs> enough for me because it feels good, and it and it uh, it's something hard to do when your other hard things are taken away.
0: It really is hard. But it's surprising, at least to me, it's been surprising how, like it used to be I get in and it took me like 90 seconds to quit hyperventilating and breathing like crazy. And now when I get in, it's maybe 10 to 15 seconds of crazy breathing and trying to catch my breath. And then it's actually, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a wimp when it comes to a lot of stuff. It's actually relaxing. Like there's something, I don't know what chemical it, it releases or or uh, again, maybe it's placebo, but it's yeah. it, it makes me truly relaxed and then when i get out i feel great is that do you get relaxed in there or is it kind of hard the whole time
1: counterintuitively it's incredibly relaxing and there's something sublime about being surrounded by everything that we associate aesthetically and visually with discomfort you know snow cold water ice wind sort of that whole winter aesthetic and then you're in there yeah there's just something quite inexplicably calming about that and i and I do think that the the biological piece you know slowing down your breathing, trying to get your heart to relax, trying to disengage from that that sympathetic nervous system, all of that probably contributes to that sensation of calm,
0: yeah, it's so interesting, and I'm glad you're on here saying this because I bet if people hear me saying it they're like that's weird. Or he's trying to be a tough guy or something like that. But, but you, if you're doing this stuff, it's definitely, there's definitely something to it. And it's not just like a a super weird thing. Like, like what I do, I, I highly recommend it. All right. We'll get back on, back on task now. Um, so for people who have not listened to our first episode, I encourage people to go back and listen because you hear all about Chandra's upbringing and every, just all the cool adventures she's had. But can you just give an overview of Free Flow Institute, what it is, and then kind of how you, how it came to be, how you decided to start it?
1: probably don't need too much background other than the fact that I was, I had just finished graduate school here in Missoula um, and I was teaching, I had gone back to the safety net of teaching high school Spanish, which is what I did before I went back to get my master's degree in environmental writing. And I was, I really wanted to stay in Missoula and I just, I just wasn't sure what my next move was. So I took a job at the high school and I loved it. And I was comfortably teaching high school, you know, speaking Spanish with teenagers and then guiding river trips in the Grand Canyon in the, in the summertime. And then I was also sort of trying to hustle to put my master's degree to work and keep up with my writing. So like freelance stuff, mostly for publications tied to rivers and water. So it's kind of this mosaic of of things and amalgamation of things I was trying to make work here. And a friend who's a filmmaker and a photographer suggested this idea in like 2016 of trying to build writing workshops that take place on rivers. So... We ran with it, and I, I just, I, I built this thing that we eventually called Free Flow Institute, that was selfishly like the nexus of everything that I love, um, which is education and river work and 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 creative endeavor, and so that's our bread and butter. That's where we started, which was with those creative writing courses on the river in 2018. My friends, William DeBuise and Hal Herring, who are both past Mountain and Prairie guests, were guinea pigs, and we ran our first two pilot programs. And essentially, we just started building outdoor education programs that were meant for everyone, not just for kids and kids or undergrads.
0: such a cool story. And both of those guys, Bill and, and Hal, are just legends in the world of writing and journalism in the West. When you think about where you started and you were pretty early on at our in our first conversation and and where it has gone now, and I mean you've had to go through the went through the pandemic i mean a lot of a lot of stuff has happened it hasn't been a, a easy ride. Can you just kind of talk about how it's evolved and how it's grown? I mean I think your workshop with Anna that you were just talking about is one example but but when you kind of if you can step back and look at the trajectory of how this thing has grown and evolved over the years, how would you describe that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think 2019, which was the last time you and I spoke on the podcast, was our our last quote unquote normal year. That was before COVID, obviously, and before its associated economic challenges. I still was teaching. And in 2019, that season, we worked with Brendan Leonard and Pam Houston and David James Duncan, Alexis Bonagoski and Elliot Woods. And so we had like a super super productive and and generative season of field courses. And I left the season feeling so good about free flow that I took a leave of absence from and then eventually retired from my position at the high school. And I in that sort of transition between 2019 and 2020, I went back to Uganda to work on a story I was writing about dams that I'd started the year before. And I was feeling really positive about transitioning full-time to to writing and to Free Flow Institute and maybe with a little bit of Grand Canyon guiding thrown in just to keep myself connected to that place. And I was, I was super stoked. And then, of course, 2020 threw a wrench in everyone's neatly laid plans and we all had to adapt. And Free Flow's adaptation has been wild. It's been challenging, but we've got this generous and enthusiastic community and their support is what's is what's kept it going and is what's kept me going too. We started offering in 2020 some online and, and distance t- style courses that were meant to provide continuity and, and extra sort of offerings for our community even when the even when the field courses weren't happening and we couldn't plan for field courses because of the pandemic. And in 2020, we started to diversify our offerings too. So looking at editing services, consulting, curriculum development, um, we started seeking out new colleges and institutions and partners that we could work with. Since then, since 2019, it's it's definitely grown and I've been able to bring on more people to work with me in various capacities, more field courses, more online courses, and it's, it's been wild to watch it grow.
0: Yeah, it's been wild for me to watch it grow from the outside looking in, just seeing how how it's evolved. When you think about all these different evolutions that you've had, was it, and this may be hard to answer, but was it a case of you had this dream and this is this is how you would want it to evolve? Or was it a case of? COVID hit and all of a sudden there was a lot of chaos and a lot of uncertainty and you had to, for lack of a better word, scramble to figure out ways to keep everything together. And so these were some of these, these ways this evolved were offshoots of just being nimble and creative in a stressful time, or was it, was that all kind of part of the plan from the beginning?
1: I think a lot of it was reactionary. The vision for Free Flow Institute seemed a little blurry those first couple of years. I think that the that COVID came in so fast and I was just sort of transitioning away from the structure of a, of a teaching job and trying to figure out what it meant to be an entrepreneur and and like essentially just an entrepreneur and putting all my eggs into that basket. And so I was Definitely hustling to figure out that lifestyle and figure out um, what it means to be a good and responsible business owner when the when the pandemic came. So a lot of those evolutions, like the online courses that you know, these creative services that we started offering, like those were reactions to our new to the new environment for sure.
0: And so I'm real interested in that in in your process of quitting your job and going after this full time because. I think anybody that's started something on their own, you know, they've gone through that. And I think a lot of people have dreams of doing that, but for one reason or another, I mean, it's, it can be scary and nerve wracking. So a lot of people don't do it. And I just did a version of that by, um, going all in on this podcast. And so like, if somebody were to come up to you, that's got a steady, a steady job that they don't hate, you know, but that's not their passion and they have some pursuit they want to, they want to pursue, whether it's, um, you know, a business or a creative endeavor, writing, whatever, what advice would you have for them? Like say it was somebody who's 10 years younger than you are.
1: I would probably tell them that there's just not one right way to design their life. And there's no one correct way to derive Joy or pleasure or meaning from what it is that you do, or the the relationships that you have, and I, I think that for me, it took a lot of of conversation and re, you know meditation and reflection, but also a lot of conversations with people that I respect to to give myself permission to deviate from what felt right. What felt right, and I use right in quotation marks there because it, it it's responsible to be a teacher and also Mm -hmm. to supplement your meager teaching salary with, with other jobs. Right. And it's responsible to, you know, invest in your home and invest in your relationships in a conventional way. But I think that it's also, it can also be irresponsible to ignore those parts of yourself that are, are are seeking to be expressed and, and are asking to be expressed and there are more creative ways to interpret what we're supposed to do here and what our purpose is and I, I think that we just we're not all meant to fit into um, into into the designs that are laid out for us. And so I think I would tell someone who's who has a vision who has something in mind that they think the world needs that it's it may be considered irresponsible to To let that dream languish, and so, of course, we're not all in a position to drop our, you know, our salary job and go all in with something that seems to fuel our our heart and our imagination. But, and I, and and this has been very difficult for me at times, and for my relationship, and for my friendships, and everything else, because it's a it's a it's constant hustle, and it has Mm -hmm. has a lot of ups and downs, but. I think if someone's in a position where they have the freedom, they've got some resources set aside and they're curious, there's that they should probably just try it. And, and, you know, my administrator at the high school told me, and this was so amazing and I'll never, ever forget it. You know, he said, you'll always have a place in the schools. You can always come back to teaching that's a skill set you won't lose, but you'll probably regret it if you don't, if you don't chase this down and, and just quell your curiosity.
0: That's really cool. Are there any specific either business owners or creative folks? I mean, you probably have your list is so long, but that you have admired and kind of see what they do. And you're like, man, that's a good model. If I could kind of do a version, my own version of that, like, for example, for me, Brendan Leonard is, is, is one, I mean, he's just, and people can take Brendan's course this summer and go running with him um, around <laughs> Missoula. Um, I just, the, the way he's done it and the way he continues to do it, it's just been so inspiring from, from both a creative perspective and from a business perspective, because he's been able to uh, make a, a, a living doing this, doing what he wants to do. And all he wants to do is make art. And, um, it, does anybody come to mind that you admire?
1: Yeah, I think Brennan, I mean, not to just ride on your coattails there, but I think that's, that's the first person who comes to mind. He's built, he's built something that is truly unique. And, and in doing so, he's been able to structure his work around the other things that he loves, creating something that, that actually looks like balance and he does he does get to make his art and he makes art for as and they come out as gifts right as as gifts mm-hmm. for the people that that he cares about and the people that that find value in what he makes i think that there there are a number of people that i respect you know i come from this commercial guiding world where i see you know outfitters owners of river companies and i and i see how hard they work to facilitate you know recreation and outdoor experiences for other people for strangers and i think that a lot of you know a lot of what we do at free flow kind of pulls from that tradition but it's more than that and i and so i also really respect folks that that have tried to infuse whatever it is they're doing um with with art and with creativity and, the, and you're right the list is super long but i do i do appreciate that you brought up brendan because i I often, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or, or despondent or discouraged, I'll talk to Brendan and he reminds me that this should be, this should be fun and we can't take it all so seriously.
0: Yeah. He's, um, you know, we, we just randomly met, somebody introduced us and, and, uh, he's what joy he's brought into my life, you know, just by knowing him. So this is the Brendan Leonard tribute podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Exactly exactly
0: um so one cool thing that has popped up with free flow since we last talk is the free flow foundation, and you've been able to to start or for for a while now you've been able to award scholarships for free- free flow trips, which I think is really, really awesome because. These trips are, are really nice, and a lot of them are run through very you know great outfitters on some of these rivers and they they do cost uh, a decent amount of money and so the fact that you've been able to offer scholarships is just a really unique and generous part of everything you're doing could you could you tell me and I don't even fully know the whole story here, but could you tell me how the foundation came to be?
1: yeah, for sure. Um, it's another product of 2020 right the weirdness that was 2020 I think it was in in March like COVID was in full swing and I was much you know like much of the country like I was like well I guess this year I'll build a garden for the first time in my adult life
0: Make and I remember Isn't that what everybody was yeah, yeah,
1: yeah exactly <laughs> so I remember quite clearly I was you know in a in this thing that would eventually become a garden bed, and a colleague from the the high school in Missoula called, and she retired after my first year of teaching there. But she's she had started this really small nonprofit that was originally meant to help fund student travel to Peru for her Spanish students, and she just called and was like, "Hey, I've been thinking about what you do, and I'm wondering if you." if it would be useful to your project to have a 501c3. And I was like, why not? Let's make a garden and let's make a nonprofit. And so I ended up transitioning her existing 501c3 into, into what is now the free flow foundation. And we built a board of directors and we built um, a mission And which is to provide support for free flow participants who need it. So in the form of scholarships and gear, mentorship in in outdoor pursuits, as well as creative work. And then also to build more diverse and complex cohorts with people from across the socioeconomic strata and from from different backgrounds. So there's a lot of language around this work now, obviously, you know, decolonizing, diversifying eliminating barriers, but at its core, it's just helping people access outdoor experiences that we think everyone should have.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's so important, but I mean, that's, you know, it's another, it's basically like another business you have on, on top of, on top of this. And and when I looked on the, the website and I should know more about this, but I don't like there's, there's, there's a certain scholarship that's sponsored by like American rivers. If I remember correctly, can you kind of run through what a few of the different opportunities for scholarships are?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we've got a few different pots that we can pull from to help support our participants. And and really, the scholarships are for anyone, although we prioritize folks from BIPOC and LBGTQ and other marginalized communities. But we want to help support anyone who doesn't enjoy easy access to outdoor education. And so we've got a few really solid partners, like you mentioned, American Rivers, Their Northern Rockies chapter supports um, us with an indigenous scholarship. So for a course in Montana or Idaho, and it's for indigenous folks who are interested in the material and interested in getting on the river with free flow. Um, And then the Southwest chapter of American Rivers also provides a a significant scholarship opportunity. It's project-based. It's for anybody with roots to the Southwest we have a we're partnering with the American Prairie Reserve for a scholarship this year, um, American Whitewater as well. Um, we always offer. A few American Whitewater scholarships, which are also project-based to help promote American Whitewater's mission of preserving access to rivers. And then we have a big community scholarship fund, which, is, which consists of, 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 of donations and contributions from our community. And, and scholarships that come out of that fund are for everybody with no strings attached. And then in continuation with our of our theme here, Brendan Leonard Tribute episode, um, Brendan's course, um, his 2023 course called Running to Stand Still, he's offering or we're offering a full tuition scholarship to one participant on that course.
0: Nice. So maybe this is a good time to, I mean, we don't have to hit every single one of them, but for people who have not visited the website that are driving down the road right now or washing dishes as I always do when I listen to podcasts. That's that's all I do. Like I could, I, I spend so many hours per week washing dishes. It's, it's off the charts. So if anybody's out there like me, washing dishes and their hands are wet and they can't go to the website, talk, run through some of the, um, courses. And I'm, one of them is very subpar and I don't know why you agreed to do it, but most of them are, are really awesome.
1: (laughs) Wait, wait, first, can I ask you, do you have a dishwasher?
0: Yeah, but I'm one of these guys that, that might as well, I might as well not have one because I clean the yeah. dishes so good before I throw them in and oh, I'm very do organized washer. about it. I'm not organized in real life, but when it comes to <laughs> dishwasher, I am.
1: Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You find, you find value in a well-organized dishwasher.
0: I guess so. Isn't that sad? Yeah. I'm an old man. No, I'm I, I only
1: ask, I only ask Ed cause I'm the same. I don't, we don't have a dishwasher, but I like to do the dishes myself for the same reason. I like them to be organized when they come out of the sink. Very particular. Um, <laughs> and so I just, am curious about other people's dishwashing habits and I'm glad you brought it up. I don't um, want
0: anybody touching the dishes around here. me. <laughs>
1: I think that your wife probably appreciates that about you. Um, Yeah. So we've got, you know, yeah. So don't go dry your hands. These are the courses that we have this year. We've got our, our first course with Craig Childs um, at the end of April down in the Dolores river basin in Colorado. And that's actually um, a base camp supported hiking course. It's, It's short and Um, We're really looking forward to working with Craig. That'll be our first time with him in the field. And he's, as you know, he's just a legend. Oh, yeah. And then we're working with Joe Wilkins on the Blackfoot River here in Montana. We're going sea kayaking in the San Juan Islands with Ana Maria Spagna. Chris Latre, who's another one of your guests, is leading a course called Good Ancestors on the Missouri River. And that we're looking forward to that um, as he's about to release his new book, Becoming Little Shell. We're, new, we're doing a, a course with Brendan, obviously, up in Whitefish, Montana, going running. That's the first time we've done a running and writing workshop. We are hoping to get down on to the Rio Grande with Sherwin Bitsui, who's a, a Navajo poet and an exceptional teacher. Also working with Fort Lewis College um, with Byron Aspas, who's another Navajo poet on the San Juan River, and then at the beginning of September, we're working with this guy named Ed Robertson and getting out on the Gates of the Door on the Green River. you are super excited, Ed, to finally get to work with you.
0: I'm super excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be so fun. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. In the the when I've done these versions of these kind of trips before I've, I found that I learned more from the, the participants than I feel like they learned from me. So I'm, I'm just honored to be included with all these awesome people. Um, it'll be really cool. And so people can go to the website to see all the, the info on that. But when, so in all your years of being involved in these courses and helping to craft these courses and seeing people come through, like, what do you think, what makes somebody have a successful experience on one of these things or an enjoyable experience, like what kind of attitude do they bring? I mean, I, I feel like for the most part, free flow kind of self-selects for a certain type of person. But like if you were giving somebody advice on how to arrive, like in what state of mind do you want to arrive to, to get the most out of one of these courses? Is there a common theme that you've seen that kind of ensures people have a successful trip, however they define success?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think that everyone comes to the the free flow courses with a, a different intention or a different objective. And I I we do find that it's helpful for folks and, and we try to we try to call this out at the beginning of every course, it's helpful for folks to to be um specific and identifying what that intention is and and really putting language to it what's your objective why are you here and then it it sort of gives gives you something to come back to like a, a north star to bring you back to why you're on the course when the environmental or social inputs inevitably threaten to overshadow why you're why you're there your needs and your hopes so clarifying that intention before before you come can be really helpful and if that's not available to you and even if it is i think coming to the course with 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 a sense of curiosity is critical so we find that people experience the 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 to the greatest extent the catalytic effects of these of these courses when they have a willingness to have their ideas crumbled or, or challenged at least in the face of newness and and the ideas of others. So that curiosity is is key. And then you know there's there's some physical preparation. There's some social preparation, especially coming out of COVID. Um, it can be an intensely social experience, and so you know we found that there are some, there's some practicing that can go into it that actually is pretty beneficial and then also for a lot of adults who haven't spent a week learning you know dedicating time to actually learning and thinking and and creating and generating there's there's some preparation for the mind that can be helpful too and we always encourage folks, especially Americans who have a tendency to avoid doing it, to practice drinking water <laughs> before yeah. they come out on the river with us.
0: I'm super excited to not have cell service for a week. Yes. I mean, that's yes. going to be, I th- I really am curious as to what that's going to do to my brain, like, like how my brain will feel different. Cause I'm, I'm pretty aggressive with controlling the phone and like keeping it on airplane mode and all that stuff. And it's still makes me crazy. And so a five day detox from the phone, I'm curious about what that's going to do on all aspects, even from a, like from a creative standpoint, just from a kind of anxiousness standpoint. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. So wait, when you think about success stories, and I mean, I I imagine everybody has their own version of, of a success story from going on one of these trips and some kind of breakthrough or a, a, a new way of seeing things, whether it's their own personal life or the project that they're working on. And you don't have to name names, but do, in all the years you've been doing this, does anybody pop up as kind of a success story? Some Somebody that's memorable that maybe had some sort of breakthrough, creative breakthrough on one of these trips?
1: Oh, that's it's so wonderful to try to go back through all the courses and think about the folks we've worked with over the years. And I think, on, I mean, it'd be hard – to call out one or one or two folks, although there are many that I that I observe that that transformation in, or or so I'll speak in generalities on that. I think uh, just because, yeah, please, please. Um, one of the greatest things that that I get to observe is is like the building of like true building of community on these courses, where the cohorts mm-hmm. tend to stay together, so they keep sharing their work with each other and cheering each other on from their respective corners of the country. And that, that to me feels really important. And it feels like a huge success when that happens. Other things that come out of the courses that feel successful, when people find that they can call themselves a writer without qualifications, without any sort of explanation or or preface or, um, you know, before before they make that that proclamation, they they realize, like, I am this this thing that I've been trying to be and I give my I give myself permission to be it. So it's sort of a like a re-identification with oneself that can happen. That's pretty, pretty profound. I like it when people make connections on the courses and they're able to go on and, and publish or, or that's when stories come out of the courses, that makes me really, really happy too. And I like it when people come together on the courses to discuss really big things that matter. Um, and there's sort of a, a think tanky effect that happens that is really gratifying too. You know, that's sort of like the creative or intellectual side of things or the professional side of things. But then there's like super rad like classic outdoor ed phenomena that materialize in these cohorts too like where there's something crazy happens like we've had pretty much anything you can think of has happened on a free flow course and you know from like huge storms to like big flash floods and you know insane unseasonable weather and people like come together with such cohesion and determination, it kind of reinvigorates my faith in what we can do as a, as the collective.
0: Oh yeah. That stuff is so powerful and I get it less and less as I've, you know, uh, kind of a regular person in the regular world. But like I've, I've done some trips like climbing trips up in Alaska and there's, there's this one guy who was my tent mate on Denali up there. And I never knew him. I never met him before we showed up for the thing and we were in a tent together for three weeks and I've only, and I've seen him a few times since actually, but we left. And so this intense three week experience where we're tied into a rope together, we're freezing our ass off together, you know, just trying to keep every, keep it, you know, between the damn, uh, yellow lines and not just. <laughs> completely just, you know, destroy ourselves. And in that three week time period, I consider that guy a better friend than most people that I've known for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's just because of that intensity and the instant feedback you get from being in a kind of extreme environment and uh, the teamwork and the camaraderie and the, the shared purpose and the community. And I love it. I, and that's just something that I've really missed and something that's one of the things that I'm really excited about for, for my trip down the green this summer is to get a five day dose of that, you know, cause it, it goes a long way. I think these days.
1: Yeah, that's right. Especially if, if, you know, for, for most of us, especially as we get older, we settle into our routines and we, you know, we've got our responsibilities and our families and you got to work harder to get out of your comfort zone. And, um, good things happen right like it's it's galvanizing it's like it's generative and it's um we we need it you know we need it and and that goes back to the cold water thing too right like yes. if you you know if you don't get a periodic dose of discomfort or adversity you know your your constitution changes, and you see things differently. And um, conversely, if you allow yourself to get close to that stuff, to get close to the hard stuff, the scary stuff, that is the impetus for, for really important, really important things inside your your mind and and your heart. And I think I think it's that combination of you know it, it's really special on free flow because you get that proximity to hard stuff, and then but then you also have built that container for reflection and, and, synthesis. And so that's what I, you know, as a career river guide, that's always what I thought was missing, you know, cause it's, you have these shared adventures like you and your, your, your friend on, on Denali, right? Like you have mm-hmm. an adventure that is so powerful and, and so transformative and what I want everyone to be able to do is then synthesize that experience, right? And get it down in words or in images or something, some way to hold on to what you learn up there on the mountain or on the river. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I hear you. I think it's important stuff for sure.
0: It's such a great idea. I remember when Stephanie emailed me and and I, I was not aware. She's like, you need to check out Free Flow." Institute and Chandra, and and it was the first I'd heard of it, and instantly I was like, "This is the coolest thing!" And I mean, you've really found this niche that I think so many people appreciate. And I think there's, and and it's weird how much of an overlap there is between Mountain and Prairie and Free Flow, both in in the the people I've interviewed happen. There's so many of them that happen to be instructors on Free Flow, and then just the general idea, and it's just wild how the universe does that kind of thing, but I'm, yeah. I'm a super yeah. fan of, and I can't believe I get to do a trip. I mean, it's going to be, I'm super excited and I, I think it'll, I, I'm pretty positive it's going to add value to the people that that sign up. So I'm self-deprecating to a fault, but I am, I do think yeah. it'll, I, I think there's going to be a lot to be learned all the way around. One other question about just kind of the, the results of, of free flow. So you, you talked about what students can experience and how students can change, and the great things that come from that. How have you changed as a person, as a leader, just in general, since starting free flow to now, like when you look back at yourself in 2017, and then you compare yourself to now, how would you say that this journey of building this business, taking people on, you know, on these trips, and I really feel like it it is a business, but, but you're, you've got a servant's mentality, like, like you're, it's very clear that you are, you're giving, you know, you mentioned giving gifts and like, like you're, you're, this is a gift to people. And so how has that changed you?
1: Oh, thanks, Ed. I have to back up and say that yes your course is going to add tremendous value and you are self deprecating to a fault and i think that this is something that we probably share is that that sense of of doubt about what we're putting out into the world and i think that that is is a form of humility right and i think that humility has a lot of value in the work that we do but also yeah. i think i've been working really hard on trying to on trying to find my find my confidence within this this space and remember mm-hmm. that we do build beautiful magical things and they they can be gifts to people. For me there's there's felt I have felt a disconnect in my mind between the fact that it is a business and we're selling these things and the fact that they are they are beautiful necessary offerings. And so now it's yes. been a challenge to try to braid those two realities together. And I'd say that's been the biggest, the biggest thing for me as a, as a, as a business owner is trying to acknowledge the fact that they can coexist and they're not mutually exclusive. I think that also the definition of, of leadership has changed for me within this, the context of free flow. I've tried to invite other minds and other people's visions to the projects. So, that involves a lot of delegation and release of control, which which is um, kind of like with the dishes, you know, I mean, sometimes that's hard. That's hard. I'm but not
0: budging also, on the dishes.
1: You, know, you can't let go of everything. There's some things that are absolutes, like the dishes. But I think that, you know, that's that's been really wonderful, too, to kind of see directly how other people who i respect interpret the the free flow project and how you know what their vision for its future is i guess also you know we're trying to expand to include new and different demographics and modes of movement as well as different genres and areas of of learning moving obviously beyond rivers and into different landscapes and i i suppose too i've um And this is an ongoing lesson, and I'm in no way um, prepared to say that I've learned it. But I continue to explore what I can and can't do and where to draw lines. And sometimes I'm really disappointed in how limited I am, either as an entrepreneur or as a creator of things, and also at how bad I am at actually drawing those lines um, or acknowledging that they even exist.
0: But, are you a is it hard for you to delegate?
1: Yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard not because I don't trust the people I work with and I do. I trust them and respect them to the to the ends of the earth, but it's just hard for me to parse it out if that makes sense, like to say to to make discrete tasks out of the out of the big and ultimate task. does that make sense?
0: yes. I would imagine though, you're, you're probably better than most because of your teaching background. You know, it's, it's like, if I feel like I understand something, that's one thing. But if you have to tell somebody, you know, teach it to somebody that takes a different level of understanding. And I think that's how it is with any of these tasks and and really having to figure out like, all right, well, this thing I do every day, what are the, what are the pieces of it? And how can I teach somebody how to do it or, or instruct somebody how to do it? And it's, it's a lot different than knowing how to do it yourself, at least in my experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head. You know, I think identifying the the individual tasks is the first step and then being able to articulate what, what within that, that task is important, you know, and I think that I always, as a, as a teacher, I always thought that there was more value in saying, here's the end goal you choose how to get there. Then it is to say, here are steps A through G, and those steps will will allow you to arrive at that end goal. You know, filling in the gap between between the starting point and the end point was always quite valuable in education, and, and so I've tried, you know, to maintain that that sort of ethos um, or mode with with delegating within the business and the and within the nonprofit within the foundation, but. Yeah, it's a work in progress
0: for sure. Yeah, that's the name of the game though. How boring yeah. would it be if one day you woke up and you're just like, All right, I got it all figured out. Nothing new <laughs> to learn. We got it all, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's what I tell myself to make myself feel better about my slow progress. Um yeah. so when people go to the Free Flow website, you see the trips, you see all the the, the great team that you have, and and you know, there's all this cool cool stuff that you would expect, but then there's some other stuff that you mentioned earlier briefly, like your creative services and there's a free flow podcast and any of that stuff you want to highlight that people might want to check out when they're, when they stop washing dishes and look at the website.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. I think our podcast was a really I just used was because it, it's on a hiatus right now. It was a really wonderful way to to integrate the work of our community, both our instructor community and our partners and our, you know, our alumni into something cohesive. And, and we thought it was quite lovely, but that was supported by a, a grant from an, a, an organization called the Prop Foundation up here in Montana. And our grant ran out and we have, We've had to pump the brakes on our podcast, at least for the time being. Um, again, that goes back to the drawing of lines, right? And the recognition of limits.
0: But the cool thing about a podcast is it's there forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like it's, it's out there and people can, people can listen. And um, so I, I, I'd encourage people to to check it out because I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Thanks, Ed. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have good role models in the podcasting world. So thank you for that. And, uh, we're talking about we're,
0: Brendan. We're talking about Brendan yeah,
1: talking again. About again. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, we also have that page called Creative Services. And that, again, was, you know, one of the byproducts of our, our challenges within COVID. But it, we've decided to stick with it because it really, it's fun to engage our minds in these other ways and, and kind of capitalize on our collective skill sets, um, and offer these things that we find that people are interested in and people need, you know, the, the editing, the writing, the, the, the support, I hesitate to use the word coaching because I don't like that word anymore, but, you know, basically we're, we're just, we want to offer what we have, um, to, to folks that, that might find value in it. And that also goes with, you know, for curriculum development too, and trying to develop, you know, new innovative ways to do learning outside.
0: Yeah. Everything you're doing, the, the idea of a gift, I mean, really every, every aspect of free flow has that kind of ethos behind it of like, this is produced with a generous spirit to try to help people. And I think that's, I think that's so cool. I mean, in a very, I'm not trying to compare my little thing to what you're doing, but like I, I read a bunch of Seth Godin and I was talking to a college student today actually about creating stuff. And I was like, just read Seth Godin because everything he says is that you need, when you produce something and put it in the world, think of it as a gift and, and you want it to add value to the people that, that buy into it. And that's, I feel like that's what you're doing. And it's just, it's been so inspiring to me. Like as I've been trying to build up my little thing to watch what you're doing from afar and and check in every so often. And it's just it's really cool, man. It makes me feel better about the whole universe. Uh everything you do. So (laughs) I'm not joking. I'm not joking. It really does. Um one other question for you. I might have more questions, but you're always you've always got good book recommendations. You know so many awesome writers and authors and poets. And you know, you you write so much yourself. I need some book recommendations that I may not have ever heard of.
1: Oh man! Well, that that second part is a tall order because you are you got your your finger on the pulse of all things literary. But I actually, you just mentioned Seth Godin, and I think you and I even earlier this winter were talking about him because I we we hopped on a call right as I had finished his book called This Is Marketing. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was all, I was all abuzz with, with everything that he was talking about that you just talked about. And that has really recalibrated the way I look at this idea of, of selling things. And it was, it was like it validated, it validated everything that I wanted to believe, but couldn't was too insecure to believe and so i guess you know that kind of ties back to that question too about you know selling selling things and putting or putting things out into the world and and hoping people find the value in them like if anyone is is hoping to create things um under a business model i i think that seth godin book this is marketing is required reading i agree yeah. Conf, it's confidence building and it's, and it's, and he writes from a, a very human place. So that book was revolutionary for me this winter, for sure.
0: He's a um, genius. I, I saw yeah. him at the Salt Lake city airport one time and went up to him and introduced myself and he was so friendly and nice. And I promptly got out of there cause I didn't want to annoy him, but seriously, like if anybody's doing any sort of creative work, he's, he's the guy.
1: He's the guy. Yeah. And he's got, you know, he's got his little podcast too, Akimbo, which is just like these great little doses of, I don't know, his perspective, which is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Other books, Ed, well, Anna Brones recommended this book called Wintering by Catherine May. And I read that in preparation for the, the workshop, our winter workshop that we just did in February. I was so surprised by it. It was one of the most surprising books I've read in a long time. Just beautiful prose, all about... This idea of wintering as a verb. So like the winter um, holds all of this sort of mythical or, or mythic darkness and, and everything that, that we should do if we're paying attention to the seasons and don't do as modern humans. Um, she addresses in that book, and it was just lovely. Another one would be, oh, you know, have, have you read Atul Gawande's book called Being Mortal?
0: No, I have not. I think I might actually have it on my shelf. So many people have recommended it and I have not read it, but I know exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that one, that one felt important to read this past year. And it it's paired well with, with that wintering book. And it also paired well with um that that book called Four Thousand Weeks.
0: Oh, that's a great one. That's yeah. a really great one.
1: And that's another Brendan Brennan Leonard recommendation too. I saw he just
0: he put that out as one of his favorite books of twenty twenty two, and oh, it was, no. it's I loved it. it. It's like I hate that you know anything that says time management. I I have kind of my my um, feathers ruffle, but it's yeah, it's just about giving yourself a break, and it's like the opposite yeah. of Tim Ferriss, I think.
1: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. It's the opposite of productivity and optimization, and it's. That's why I think it, it's, it goes so nicely with the, any study of mortality. you know. Mm-hmm. My last one, I'll give you one more, okay? Yeah, and, please. And I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard of it. But I, I had knee surgery in the fall, and I finally took out Barry Lopez's Arctic Dreams from the library. I had to renew it five times because I'm such a slow reader, and it's such a long book. But it felt good as an Alaskan to finally check that one off my list, and it is an absolute gem. If anyone's interested in the Arctic.
0: Embarrassingly, I've never read anything, maybe a short story, but no, no books by Barry Lopez, which is unacceptable. And so that's the one I should start with. you think?
1: I don't know when you, I mean, you kind of missed your window after your, your injury, right? You're back on the, on the move. That's like a, that's like a, you settle in for the winter and you commit some, for me, it was months, months. Oh, really? Yeah. But other people probably. I mean, you're a fast reader, Ed. You probably won't have that experience. <laughs> but, I, I um, probably
0: don't absorb it like you do, though. And saying I'm on the move is a uh, is very generous because <laughs> I, I am on the move. But it it's a funny looking scene seeing me kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of waddling down the road. Yeah. No, those yeah. are all awesome. And I don't think other than the Four Thousand Weeks, I haven't read any of those. So okay. those are, that's that's really great. Thank you so much. So if people want to learn more about the courses, they want to learn more about the scholarships, where should they go?
1: It's all on freeflowinstitute.com. So the scholarships, all the courses, all of our past courses, um, everything that we're offering is all on freeflowinstitute.com. We've got an Instagram and a Facebook as well. And I'd be happy to connect with anyone, um, via any of those platforms. So, and I'll look forward to it for sure. Always happy to answer questions.
0: All right, Chandra, this is awesome. Thank you for everything you're doing. I appreciate all your work. I appreciate your friendship. I'm psyched for September 1st and, um, I'll look forward to hopefully seeing you in person pretty soon.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And thank you again so much. I, I appreciate any chance I have to talk with you
0: hey it's ed again thanks so much for listening to the podcast i know your time is valuable so it means the world that you spend it listening if you want to support the podcast and help it to continue to spread and grow there are a few ways you can help number one pass it along to a friend or share it on social media word of mouth recommendations are the most powerful way for ideas to spread so i'd love it if you could share the podcast with a few pals who might enjoy it number two you can go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star review. Good reviews encourage the Apple overlords to suggest the podcast to others. So there's a link in the notes if you'd be so kind as to give it five stars. Number three, you can support the podcast financially via Patreon and there are exclusive benefits for those who do, including a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter, Mountain and Prey stickers, live and recorded video chats with podcast guests, and much more. Number four, I've also got two emails that I send out. The first is my weekly email called Good News from the American West, which I send out every Wednesday. It's only positive news, something we can all use a little more of these days. And my other email is my bi-monthly book recommendations email. One email every other month with five, six, seven, or eight books that I've recently read and highly recommend. The thousands of people on both of these lists will vouch for me. No spam or other funny business. And number five, finally... Check out my online store for Mountain and Prey stickers, shirts, and coffee mugs. I've got some really cool designs from Western artists with more on the way. So head to mountainandprey.com slash shop to check it all out. I'd love to connect with you. I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. So look me up on either of those platforms by my name or through the links on my website. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for your support.